This is the Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones of MrsChristyJones.com, episode number 91. In today's episode, I'm talking about the pain our country is experiencing because of the racial injustice that has taken place most recently with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, two black men who were killed for no reason. And my guest is my husband, Adrian. And he will be talking about what it is like to be a black man in America and what we can do to best support the black men in our lives. Up next on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. Welcome to the Wife Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Little-Jones. I'm a relationship coach, a marriage and family champion, and the chief cheerleader for women all over the world. The Wife Wisdom Podcast is a real conversation designed to help you cultivate the heart of a wife. If you are single and desire to be married, if you are newly married and want to thrive as a wife, or if you are a seasoned wife and just need a little encouragement staying a wife, you are in the right place. If you are new to our podcast, woohoo! Welcome to the family. I am thrilled that you are here. And if you are already a part of my tribe and you don't already know, I love and appreciate you. I'm excited about today's episode because of everything that's going on in our country. And so I'm talking to my husband, Adrian Jones, about being a black man in today's society. Our country is experiencing a lot of pain right now because of what has taken place most recently with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, two black men who were killed for no reason. So will you please help me welcome back to the Wife Wisdom Podcast, my husband, Adrian Jones. Good day, lady. How are you? I am great. Good. And um, so I thank you, A, for just getting on the episode on the podcast today because we, the country, is angry. In, in turmoil. In turmoil. There, people are experiencing a lot of pain. And, you know, being you being a black man, I thought, what better person to have on the Wife Wisdom podcast to really even talk about this issue but a black man? Well, again, I'm happy to share. Um, I think one of the key things or key components to come out of this would be if people just gain perspective. And it's not just, you know, the black perspective, just a human perspective, I think is important right now that people and you can see it reflected in the people who are just fed up with this. It's not just black people protesting or uh, and, uh, expressing outrage about this. There are white people expressing outrage, Asians, Latinos. And again, historically, it's always been black and brown. But the thing is, I think it's the the system. It's the system that treats, I think, people of color different than it treats people of non-color. But there's not that's not to say that people of non-color uh, don't get the same things, um, uh, I guess, perpetrated upon them as well because it happens to them too. The key is, I think, now is that the day and age we live in, we get to see it. And people seeing it strikes a chord with our human uh, element. You know, people seeing it, all people seeing this now, um, is really what's, uh, is the impetus for how people are responding. Right, right. And so can you just, 
you know, with everything that's going on and the wrongful killings of black men and women in our country and just how outraged everyone is. First, can you just share what it feels like to be a black man in in today's society? Well, you know, um, I guess to really accurately portray that or answer that question, I'm going to step back. I just remember growing up. Now, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I'm a little older than most. But the idea that I remember my dad telling me, because he grew up through the civil rights era, and it was like, as a black man, you have to be twice as good as your uh, non-black counterparts, and your everything has to be above reproach. It can't ever be a question. I just remember like, why? You know, again, coming from a black kid who grew up in suburban America with most of my friends were white as a kid. And and I'm like, what do you mean? My friend is my friend. It doesn't matter what color he is or what color I am. But as you get older, you see that it does matter. You see that it does show up. And especially as you enter the workforce, you know, you get out of school, it's not so bad. But when you get into the workforce, you see that you do have to work twice as hard. You do have to, your work has to be exceptional, not just mediocre. Mediocrity does not work as a black man. It just doesn't. And again, it's not to be, uh, to say that, uh, you know, I deserve anything different than my counterparts, but you are definitely viewed and judged different than your counterparts. So with that mindset growing up, that's kind of how I've always seen it. But now with this justice or injustice that takes place these days, you have to realize that guess what? When it comes to the law, when it comes to police, when it comes to, um, you know, um, I guess the the criminality aspect, you have to be above and beyond for your own protection, your own safety for now, your life. You have to go above and beyond. So, you know, we'll, I'm quite sure we'll talk about it. So there are certain things that you have to know how to do, know how to respond and know not how to respond Mm -hmm. in order not to provoke these things that we're seeing in today's world happening currently. Um, Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about it because that's not, you don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to ever have to worry about that. You know, uh, and it's a shame that that's the case, but it just is. Right. And it dates back. It's not, this isn't anything new. The newness is that we're seeing it. Yes. That's the difference. The newness is that we're seeing it in this age of cell phones and high definition video. Everybody has it mm-hmm. at any given time is why we know about it. Right. This is nothing new. Right. And I think I saw a a post that said, you know, black men have been killed wrongfully for years. Now it's just being videotaped. Oh, that's it. And it's, again, it happens It happens in a lot of major cities where they're urbanized area, where there are naturally more African-Americans living than not. Um, it's happened in the South, in the Deep South forever, ever. And, you know, there are movies about it. There are stories about it. And, you know, I, you talk to someone who grew up in Alabama, Mississippi, and again, not to call call those places out. 
because it, it happened. It, racial injustice happens everywhere, but the stories of it happening there that just black men know don't mess with the cops in, in those in those areas. You know, um, I know you went on a trip not too long ago in two thousand in the you know yes. this decade this last three years yeah. where you got pulled over because you're in the car with three black women and for what reason? None. And that's the thing you don't have to have a reason, but if you're the police, and again, it's not all policemen, it's not all law enforcement, it's not all the judicial system. It's just the bias that exists with some people in all of those areas. And because it's not consistent, because people inject their own personal racial views into things, is why we are where we are. Mm -hmm. Just is. Right. One of the things you said is as a black man, you have to go above and beyond. You have to know what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. How did you learn that? Um, There are two ways. They say you learn things two ways. One by wisdom because other people share with you the other one is from experience tends to hurt more but when you've gone through it you learn what to do and what not to do i've been racially profiled because i had a nice car when i came back from overseas i owned a porsche and i got pulled over by the same policeman the same area in the state of virginia on a consistent basis i had to get my boss the secretary of defense to write a letter to our to that local police station in order to stop the harassment that I was receiving. So, I mean, again, it's just that learning, going, and understanding what to do in those situations can be purposely taught. So, like, for our sons, they will know how to respond. They'll know what to do, what not to do. Um, and, but it takes, I guess, a dad who's gone through it to share that. Um, and it shouldn't be one of those things where it's biased, like all cops are bad because they're not policemen. They have a job to do just like we do. I think there's a mutual respect that has to take place. And when those lines of respect are, are breached, that's where the injustice takes place. It really does, because I, I speak to the police in our area all the time. I talk to them. They know me. I know them. There's no issue. But when I'm in driving through South Carolina or driving down 95 and I get pulled over by a policeman, you know, the first thing I'm doing, I'm not going to stop my car. I'm going to acknowledge him. I'll turn on my flashers. I'll keep going until I get to a lighted area and he'll get to the car and say, sir, why didn't you stop earlier? So I just wanted to make sure that we were in a visible place for both of us. So for both of our safety, because I don't want you to think that I'm uh, I'm a threat to you because I'm not. So, again, it's things like that. It's also understanding, you know, turn all the lights on in the car when you get pulled over. I want him to see me. I want him to see that I'm not reaching for anything. I want him to know that my hands are on the steering wheel and I'm not going to remove them until you ask me to. Things like that. And then we, and here's the thing. The policeman that comes to the door or to the window or to confront you, you'll know where he stands. Invariably. He'll, you'll know where he stands. You'll know his point of view and how he treats you, how he talks to you, how he responds to you. And I've had both sides. I've had the jerk but I've also had the guy say, hey, man, you didn't realize you were going a little fast there. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. I was trying to overtake that tractor trailer that was coming around the corner and you just happened to be there when I came around. And it happens. I agree. You're right. 
Okay, I just want to make sure you're aware. I'm aware. Keep it down for me. No problem. And we're gone. But then there's a guy, what do you got in your car? What are you doing? Where are you coming from? Where, do you, where are you going to? Who are you visiting? Who is that in your pastor? You know, that guy, that's a different police officer. And you have to know the difference between the two and how to respond to the two. So, again, I, I don't, um, uh, I think it's important that all people know how to respond. And again, I, I don't want to not say this isn't a black issue or an African-American issue or America, or an issue for people of color. This is an issue for people, for people. Uh, it just hurts that so many have happened lately that we've seen, but this is something that all sons should know, mm-hmm. um, especially black sons, but all sons should know this. And also living in a a society where there's so many sons who are raised by women, mm. by single women, mm. who they may not have fathers in their lives, they may not have male figures in their lives to even teach them the the concerns and the the landmines that black exist. men that exist for black men. Sure. What can because many of my listeners are wives and moms and sure. single moms and ex-wives. And so how do they in particular, how do they teach their sons how to protect themselves sure. through wisdom? Sure. Well wisdom um, the moms and your, you know, your, your people who follow and look and watch, um, they see the same things that we see. Um, it's important whether you're a single mom or you're just a, a, a female with influence over a male's life. It's important to let him know, look, uh, I mean, people used to say you're an endangered species. While that may be true to a certain extent, it doesn't have to be that way. I think there are things and steps we can do, as I uh, mentioned before, to help protect yourself in those environments. And what you do is you arm young men. You arm them with the tools and the skills to combat and also to understand and uh, with the situation. And again, it's not... No, it's not a cookie cutter approach. There are skills you learn and how you apply those skills will make all the difference. Um, I'll do just a quick uh, story. Uh, our son, AJ, our old, he's 34 now. Um, at the time, he happened to be dating a, a white young lady that he had brought home from school. He took our, the, the, our, our rover, Range Rover, to Annapolis to go downtown and walk at the docks. Well, guess what? Annapolis police pulled him over, and and he said, uh, "Excuse me, can you tell me why you pulled me over? I wasn't speeding." Um, and what it was is that he just profiled him. So he saw him in the car. What is he doing here? And whether the white young lady on the other side made a difference or not, he pulled over. All the lights on because he knew the skills. He stopped and he's right there on Rao Boulevard and all the big uh, state department, state buildings are there. And the policeman asked him, he said, what are you doing here? Where are you going? He goes, um, my girlfriend and I are going out. And uh, he said, why? Why did you stop me? He said, well, I just want to make sure you knew, uh, you know, I'm not, I haven't seen you in this area before. I'm not sure. Yeah, that type of thing. He goes, well, I'm very familiar with this area. As a matter of fact, my uncle his office is right there in the uh, state Supreme Court. Oh, and then all of a sudden, 
things changed because he knew how to handle that situation. So now he goes, oh, this kid's nephew, is a, his, his uncle's a judge. And then, then again, that's not everybody's situation. But my point was, AJ knew what to say in that situation to best combat and also arm himself, but disarm the police officer. So, um, not to mention he had another witness there who might have had more credibility had it been another one of his black buddies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just things like that. It's just, it's all situational, but you have to know which skills to implore when you need them and how to best deal in the situation. But from the beginning, I think it's always the same. You just disarm everything, give yourself the best chance at survival by changing or at least uh, protecting yourself in your given environment. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so uh, what is it, the, you know, the wrongful deaths that have been targeted, that have targeted black men, you know, how does the, you talked a little bit about the injustice and how it makes you feel, Mm -hmm. but, you know, what, with, what is it that we can do? I think people are at a loss for how can we help? What can we do? You know, I myself married to a black man, you know, a mom of black boys. And, you know, I have to be honest, like, it concerns me, you know, with they don't drive yet. But what happens when they start driving? What happens when they're hanging out with their friends and, you know, down at the National Harbor or when they're doing things by themselves? And, you know, like and so not to live in fear, but. And, you know, and then again, there are a lot of non-black people who are outraged by the treatment and they want to help. What is it that you we can do as to help protect our the black men in our lives? Um, and how can we kind of quell some of the anxiety that we feel as a result of the injustice? Well, I think what you're seeing right now is just people are fed up. The outrage, they're... They begin because I think at the at the very core we're all we're the human race, not the black race, right. white race, Asian, uh, Native American, whatever. We're the human race, and the human race hurts and feels that policeman's knee on a human's neck. They feel that, and seeing that hurts them to their core. To the point where, like I said, it doesn't matter what color you are. Your hands are in the air. You're out protesting with masks, risking getting arrested with the tear gas and the and all the, um, uh, you know, just the, the goings-ons of what you see and what we're experiencing in our nation. Eleven cities in our nation are in some version of, of either uh, curfew or containment right now. Coming off the heels of this COVID-19 thing, what an irony that this is what we're dealing with now so while we could pull together for the sickness of our humans but we can't pull we're, we're you're seeing some people come together over this issue that's been long-standing um to protect our kids and men moving forward I, i'd say that and again not just black people brown people white people all people you know the biggest thing is like we always talk about you know Think, look who you're using for representation, because the only way any of this is going to change is that there's new training, there are new laws, there are new uh, people who make the laws, new people who enforce the laws, new people who 
uh, put those laws into play. So on a, on a large scale, and it may sound a little cliche, we got to think about who the people we're putting in places to make these things, who can exact these changes. That's one piece. The next thing is arm your sons with the understanding of, of what's going on. Give them, run them through real scenarios. Show them that driving 80 miles an hour is a magnet. Driving 90, 175 in a 50 or a 40 is a mag that draws this situation to you. Help them understand that breaking the law or being around people who are questionably breaking the law draws them into these type of situations. Help them understand that they have a responsibility to do the right thing, not questionable things that will, again, lead them to situations that would possibly end up in a negative light like we're experiencing. So, you know, it starts with how you raise your how you raise your kids, I think, is a big piece of it. Um understanding right from wrong and making sure they're clear on that. Um uh, then if you do something wrong, it's you're it's not a life sentence per se, but what it does say is that you've done something wrong Understand there's a consequence for what you've done wrong, but don't exacerbate the situation by doing something stupid, reckless, um, uh, uh, something that provoking, you know, something that's going to be provoking of a uh, of uh, of a outcome that's not one we desire. So I say it's really, I don't call it role playing. Uh, you want to use tests? You want to just say, what happens if you're just a natural conversation? What do you do if this? How do you respond if this happens? Okay. And again, so it's it gives them the, 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 I guess, the knowledge or it starts to make them aware of what's happening and where they are in the world they live in. And uh, we're all prayerful and believing that things will change, but... We have to give them the tools and skills to deal with the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, there's no doubt in my estimation that this is going to spark a change. This is going. There's going to be a paradigm shift in the way policemen respond to people. There's going to be a change. And it, but the thing is, is that it's not going to ha- happen overnight. While there'll be a shift in thinking, a shift in response, a shift in training, it, that uh, it's going to be a slow gradual process coming out of it or moving to a new place where all people are seen as all people. We've been saying that since for 40 years. All people still aren't created equal. All people aren't still viewed as humans, as we can see. So it's just going to take a process. But as a black, non-black, first thing you do is you have the power to put people in place to change through exact change. After that, as a first line defender, Arm your boys, your young men with the skills and knowledge necessary. And then after that, if you're the individual, the man himself, the black man himself, is that you have to be above reproach. And again, not saying you will be. I'm just saying you need to strive for that because in those cases is where you won't find the type of responses we're getting today. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And then, you know, I really appreciate you sharing because I think also, even as a woman, you know, because we aren't, we are not black men, right? And we don't think like black men. I think it's a, it's a great um, aha moment to become more aware 
of what we can do as women who, you know, because again, we are the maybe the primary nurturers for our children. And so having black boys, it's a great thing to know. Mm, I need to teach them, even the, even though you te- you're teaching them, it's always great to reinforce. I'll tell you. So one of the things, a, a, a great tool is when you see something that happens that's real, I am immediately look at this, see what's happening here. Let me ask you, what do you think they could have done differently in this situation so that he could have avoided this? If we're driving down the highway and somebody's out on the back of their car or the police have them with their hands on the roof of the car, this, you know, it's like, mm, I wonder what happened there. Guys, what do you do in this situation? How do you respond? So again, I use real world scenarios, real case things to say, what do we do here? And then if they if it's something they kind of understand but they don't get it all, that's when you then that, that's a great teaching moment. So it's like, what if you were to do this? What if you did not say anything and how would that respond? What would you have done to kind of make sure that uh if it were somebody who wasn't on the up and up, what could you have done to make sure you're protected as much as possible? Well, I could start recording Facebook Live or I could start doing that. So at least there'd be a record of what happened. Very good. Those are things like that. I want them to be thinking. And that's what you want to produce. You want to produce, You could because I said before, there's no cookie cutter response, but you have to be aware so that you know you can adjust as it, for the situation that's actually taking place. Yeah. That's really good. Um, Thank you so much, A, for just coming on. You know, I thought it was important for us to address this issue because it's so big and it's so important and it's heartbreaking and it affects us, all of us, not only us as an African-American black family in America, but it affects all of us. So it affects all of the Wife Wisdom podcast listeners in some way, shape or form. And so um, just thank you for for coming on. So I wanted to give you the, you know, the close out, any final thoughts that you have that you want to share? I think you just touched on it. And it's that this is not a, or excuse me, this is not just a black problem or a problem for black men. I think that this is a human issue. And Human, the human race needs to address it. It doesn't need just to come from the NAACP or black um, uh, community groups. This should come from the human race. This should come from our nation. Our nation should be outraged. And don't get me wrong. There are people out there. We know there's racism still exists. It's not dead. It still exists. And those people, we may not win over. And not that we're trying to, but if we affect change throughout the nation by stating clearly what the laws are, what uh, policemen can and can't do, what um, citizens do in response to situations and have those things heard and honored, then that's where we're going to start to see real change. But this is a problem an issue, I should say, for everyone, for every American, for every, and I don't care what color your skin is, it's a problem for all of us, and it should be one that's addressed by all of us. 
That's so good. I have one quick question because I one of the things that I when I saw the video of George Floyd and the man's knee, you know, if we're in that situation, you know, it felt like they wanted to take over the cops. Right. It felt like they wanted to. But what do you do in that yeah, situation if you find real. yourself in a situation? Well, like that? again, in that situation, the only thing that could have helped him because this man was you know, subdued, and he was yelling that he couldn't breathe, was that first line right there, three policemen standing around. They, one of the other cops should have said something, and they didn't. Then after that, as a human, the man can't breathe. Everybody could say, let him breathe. Yeah. Just let him breathe. Hold him. Keep him. Let him breathe. And again, here the, the sad part of it is that had a, I believe, again, my thought is that had a, it had been a middle, middle-aged white woman who said, let him breathe, they would have probably let him up. There were. There but were. still, even still, even more. And that's what has to happen as a, as a society. We have to be just, you know, plead for, yeah. not be afraid to confront, but at the same time, in a, in a, in a non-provoking way, confront, but don't incite them to arrest you, but confront them. Hey, just let him breathe, you know? And that would probably have been my plea. Let the man breathe. Just keep him alive, you know? And that's the part that hurts. Yeah. That's the part that hurts to see because they, they choked him, literally. Yeah. Literally. Choked the life out of the man. So, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much, A. I appreciate you. You've been great. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, appreciate you and continue to fight for justice for the human race. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It is such a sensitive topic, but I want to encourage you that when we start the conversation or we are courageous enough to have the conversation about race with not only ourselves, but with the people around us, it really starts the healing process. I want to encourage you to no longer stay silent. It's so easy to stay silent in situations like this because it's uncomfortable or we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do, but I want to encourage you to really sit still with yourself to find out how you are truly feeling as we all grieve these injustices and whatever is triggering for you to recognize it, honor it, and talk about it. Speak to someone that's close to you and your family. If you know someone who, of, who is a black or brown person to reach out to them and even ask, how do you feel? How are you feeling? What can I do to help support? What is it that I can do to share my voice and speak my truth? Because we've got to band together as as black, non-black, it doesn't matter because we're just humans. We have a, we need to really start healing the human heart. And so I encourage you to even confront your own biases, your own judgments, your own criticism, and even injustices towards other people so that you can truly do the work on your own heart to begin the healing process. Because if we can all truly get out of this place of judgment and hate and get to and move and transform to a place of love, 
it will change the things that we are seeing and experiencing in our world. So thank you again for listening. I appreciate you each and every week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I really, really appreciate it. If you are not following us on Instagram at Wife Wisdom, I invite you to join our tribe over on social media on Instagram. If you have not rated our podcast on iTunes, please do so to rate and review us. That would be awesome in helping other women find our podcast. But most importantly, I just thank you so much for continuing to be consistent and listening to our podcast each and every week, sharing this with your sister circle and continuing to just share and and send me love and encouragement and support that this is blessing you, that it's encouraging you, that you truly are benefiting and feel like you're being served through this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. I love you so much with all my heart and I look forward to connecting with you next week. Bye-bye. The Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones was created to help you cultivate the heart of a wife by giving you practical tools, tips, and techniques to live happily ever after. Well, at least most of the time. (laughs) So until next week, keep learning, keep listening, and keep love first. Bye-bye.